This is episode number 29 of the Church Collective Podcast. My name's Ryan, and I am just so excited to be able to talk to you today. Thank you for helping the Church Collective really become what it has become. If you've been to the site in this past week, you'll notice we have a new tab for missions. So head over to thechurchcollective.com slash missions, and you will see our trip to Peru. We are going to be hosting conferences there in August, and we want to take you with us. Uh, We're just in the uh, planning stages of this trip. So if you feel like you may want to come, you should head over to the site and put your email in there. We will be in touch with you. It's just been so, so cool to connect with so many worship leaders. And I am so excited to be able to head down there and put on a conference and be able to just train worship leaders down there. That's something that's really desperately needed. And it's just going to be a tremendous time and you may want to come along. And uh, yeah, please think about that and come with us. In this episode, we have two awesome interviews. Um, I interviewed Jeff from churchmotiongraphics.com about his new worship media handbook. It's just a really great resource and Jeff talks about it talks about how he got into doing uh, graphics for the church and just the value of doing graphics for the church and then uh, we finish our interview with uh, Cam Huxford from uh, Ghost Ship with Mars Hill Music Miles just had great questions and so many questions that we had to break it up into three parts so the last part of that interview will come up after our interview with Jeff so first we're going to kick off with our interview with Jeff with the Church Collective Podcast episode number 29 Yeah, sure. Uh, it's been a, a pretty long journey. I, uh, I graduated from design school in, uh, I think, 2002 and really learned everything. It was a digital media design uh, program, and uh, they taught you, you know, website design to 3D animation, video editing, graphic design. So uh, that's what um, got my feet wet and really got me excited about, uh, about motion graphics hmm. and... Um, so uh, that, that's, yeah, that's how I got in. And, you know, when you graduate from school, you know, you don't, you don't really have the, the best job right away. So sure. <laughs> I was looking for work and I was freelancing. Yeah. And at the time, um, my pastor, young adults pastor said, hey, you know, you've got all these skills. How about you use them in the church? And we have a young adult service where you can just go crazy and, and create stuff for um, Sunday nights and you know, be a part of a creative team. We'll come up with ideas and, hmm. and just go for it. So that's what really got me into creating content for the church. And, oh. uh, you know, this was mid-2000s and getting into motion graphics and, and video work. Okay. And, and other churches really seeing what we were doing um, and saying, hey, how, how, can, how can we have some of this? Sure. Um, and that's what kind of got me on the road to where I am today in my business. Um, I started out making custom content work uh, for the church, and then now I create, I call it kind of off-the-shelf um, motion graphics, motion sure. backgrounds, um, content. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's what led me down the road to uh, just where I am today through experience volunteering in the church yeah. and just seeing a need across, you know, the, the body right. of Christ, uh, how they want, they need content like this too. Sure. So, so when you started, what uh, what was like the hot software? Like, what when you came in, what were like what were what were this, what was the church using, and what did you like? Did you move them past something, or kind of what was the technical details of what you were starting them with? Yeah, I uh, 
you know, I, I started on After Effects and I still use that today. So that's, right. that, that's kind of always been there. Um, but we were using Song Show Plus, I think, to okay. uh, actually project the videos. And I, I just did a poll the other day and people are still using that software, huh. which uh, I don't know too much about anymore, but I, I guess it's still around and I guess it's still updated. So okay. for the time, um, you know, I, f- I felt like it did a lot of stuff that pro presenter did sure uh, does um but uh you know we were able to play media and and switch back and forth things like that right very cool um so uh, what when churches were coming like were they coming to your church and just saw that like your visuals were like really good and then they wanted to like do that as well or how did you get the word out like how did people find out about it uh yeah i think that was through my pastor you know Ah. i think he was excited about technology and media and, you know, that really helped push me for it, right? Sure. Um, I think whenever we find resistance in the church, we tend to uh, get quiet and, 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 and turn our backs. So he was excited, and I think he was just sharing it with everybody and saying, hey, look at what we're doing here. Right. Uh, you know, isn't this interesting? Um, you know, c- come check it out. We'll, we'll teach you how to do it or, right. you know, have Jeff create something for you. Sure. So I think I... I I started doing some some conference stuff and special features like Christmas and Easter content. You know, I think that's where churches were saying, "Hey, we could use this for you know one-off events." Right. So, I mean, I, I can I can imagine a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this are probably like, "Man, I wish my pastor would get behind technology or, or kind of embrace that." You, do you have anything to say to the worship leader who like sees the value in it, but maybe like struggling, say, with like the budget to do something, or just struggling with getting like his leadership to recognize the value of it other than right. just putting lyrics up. You have anything to say to that? Uh, yeah. Getting traction for um, maybe your vision for a service or for a, for a communication. Yeah. Uh, definitely a struggle. Um, yeah. When there's resistance, you know, I, I think what I've learned is that you need to be just really clear hmm. with them. Uh, you know, you can't be subtle or just drop hints I think you need to come up with a little bit of a plan. Say, hey, this is you know what I'm interested in, or these are my skills. Yeah. Um, this is how I think it could help or move us forward, and present it to you know the best contact, uh, the person that's in charge of of that uh, ministry. And you know, if I guess if they say no, they say no. And but at least you came forward and gave it your best shot. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been in a position where. I was yeah, I was trying to be subtle and drop hints and you know send blog posts and things like that and um, you know I think if someone wants to move forward with them with this they will and they'll see the potential and the value in it right away hmm. you know if they don't then you know maybe it's just on the shelf and at least they know that you're interested in that and they could be busy in, in something else right now and, and you just have to wait um, you know and find opportunities elsewhere or, or just build build things for other churches you know. Sure. Um, or, or just the church and, and make it free and available and, and yeah. uh, go that way. Okay. So you just released the uh, the Worship Media Handbook. Um, could you kind of tell the story for that? What what got you fired up to read it? Like I, I read it. I've passed it on to a bunch of people in my ministry. Love it. Like, But there's definitely not many resources like that. Um, sure. Yeah. No, it's definitely a labor of love. Um, about uh, last year uh, in the early spring, um, I was in a position where I was running the lyrics 
and media and you know putting the slides together and everything like that for a once a month um, young adults event yeah. and really passionate about it and uh, I was in a spot where I couldn't go that one month and you know I'm thinking wow what what, what am I gonna do yeah. um, I have one guy under me who will be able to figure it out but I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't planning ahead enough to say, you know, be training him yeah. uh, for this moment where <laughs> I'm gone and I'm not there. Yeah. So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I wish there was something um, where I could send him and he could just kind of read everything and I could just download everything from my mind and my experience to him yeah. um, so that he could just, you know, really hit the ground running. Sure. Um, so that that's what that's where the idea started. Um, you know, I saw that there was blog posts on really small details of, of lyric projection, um, you know, maybe some fonts or, right. um, you know, screen sizes or something like that. But I, there's, yeah, definitely not one resource that really covered everything in detail. So that's what got me thinking. I'm like, hey, if I'm in this situation, um, you know, there's got to be a lot of other churches out there that are trying to train guys or girls and, um, you know, it's just difficult to explain everything and say, you know, this is why we would bring in slides, you know, a few seconds before they're being sung, or this is why um, we don't have a busy background behind, uh, you know, text like this. Right. Um, just those small little details that I thought I think are very important sure. to make a, a really quality presentation. So, yeah, that was, you know, yeah, over nine months ago. Um, it took a long time to write. I did it in my spare time. Yeah. Um, you know, tried to research as much as I could and then write um, from my own experience and from my own research. So, yeah. Yeah. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far? Yeah, feedback has been really positive. Um, I've been uh, uh, sending out feelers for reviews and people are really liking it. Uh, they're just loving that. Yeah, this is a resource that they've wanted for a long time, that mm -hmm. they've needed for a long time. And they're saying, wow, like, what? why is this taking so long in the first place? And you know, we're so thankful that it's, that it's here. You know, we're sharing with our team. Um, we're using it as a resource to train you guys to, to bring people up to speed. Sure. Uh, even just people who are doing a great job, it's just affirming them that they're like, hey, I'm on the right track. You know, a lot of this stuff, they had to just come up with them, themselves through experience and to, just to say, hey, you know, I, I am doing this correctly. And, you know, here's a little bit more information that yeah. can help me out. Very cool. Well, very cool. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting with us, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. No, thank you for having me on here, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Cool. Now we're going to hop over to the last part of Miles' interview with Cam Huxford of Ghost Ship. I grew up in Georgia, and I'd really always been into folk music, kind of rootsy music, um, some country music, but really just Southern music, you know? And so I really thought I would be kind of out of place when I moved to Seattle. I thought everybody would be doing kind of like, I don't know, crazy avant-garde, um, noise rock, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I thought every band would sound like Radiohead. And, yeah. uh, but it was funny. Like when I moved here, there was like this giant, folk revival going on so i was like whoa dude i just like totally fit right in and jameson had moved from oklahoma and uh yeah it just kind of was like 
Seattle's just, there's just all kind of different people here. You know, it's like not one thing. Like the music scene is not one thing. It's basically, basically the only thing that ties it all together is the fact that, um, is the fact that nobody is from here. Like we're all transplanted from all over the place. So yeah, that's really how we got the sound is we just imported it from Georgia and Oklahoma, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, a couple more questions for you here, or I guess three more questions. Um, so I was at, um, I went to R12, uh, back when that happened, um, a couple Octobers ago now. And, uh, and saw you guys do like the Marcel music party and all that. And that was super cool to, to see. Um, so what's it like when you guys go and do conferences and stuff and, and go play at different churches and there's tons of people there. Um, what's, what's that like with, I mean, you guys are doing obviously a lot of services with lots of people too on the weekends, but what's it like when you guys go to like a conference where there's just a bunch of, you know, famous pastors, um, writers, authors, stuff like that. And you guys are leading worship. What's that like with, um, you know, trying to stay humble as a worship leader and why you're getting to be used in these really large ministry contexts? Yeah, I think the overwhelming thing, anytime we go to play a conference or anything like that, is it's just a cool reminder of how big the body of Christ is and how big the mission of Jesus is. Like, it's a cool reminder that Jesus' mission is always moving forward. Like, he's, he's building his kingdom. He's saving people. You know, like, when you're at one church for a long time, you may get bummed when there's not a lot of people that come on a certain Sunday or when maybe your attendance is down. But when you go to another church or you go to a conference, you realize Jesus' mission is always moving forward. You know, there's always more people being saved. The kingdom is always growing. And so for me, that kind of keeps me humble. Like when I play at a conference with thousands of people, it's not really a struggle of pride so much as it is like a sobering reminder of how small we are uh, in comparison to what Jesus is doing. Like, I guess it's a really cool reminder of like Romans 12 that uh, we're a small part of a body, you know? Like, that's really how it affects me when we go and play at different places, whether it's conferences or festivals or anywhere. It's just like, wow, it is really cool that we get to be a small part of something really huge. Now, there is a struggle with pride, I think, with music stuff. And for me, it's not triggered so much by doing big events. For me, a struggle has been... um, I would say pride mostly comes up in terms of competition. So like, there's a lot of us doing, not just at Mars Hill, like, I mean, there's a lot of people like trying to proclaim the gospel through music. And it would be really weird for us to compete with each other, you know? But if you start thinking about record sales or radio play or different things too much, you start to get in this competitive mindset and God has to kind of pull you out of that every once in a while. And you're like, wait a minute, like, we're not competing. We're like all on the same mission. So in that way, like conferences and stuff, it actually combats that 
pride for me <laughs> a little bit. It's like a reminder of like, hey, we're all on the same team here. You know, we're not we're not competing with each other. Ah, that's cool. That's great. Um, so and so with that, what's been your I guess what, like what's been your favorite experience playing somewhere that wasn't your regular uh, weekend Mars Hill service? I think my favorite. Yeah, my favorite experience playing outside of the church was a few years ago, <clears throat> we did um, some benefit shows at clubs in Seattle, and the proceeds would go to fighting sex trafficking. Because, I don't know, a few years ago, it was just starting to become known that Seattle was like a huge hub for sex trafficking. Right. And we had an opportunity to help by playing shows and clubs. And we just saw people from all different kind of churches and people who weren't Christians and just all kinds of people come together to try to fight that. And that was really fun to see, to see God doing something like that at a particular time and place. You know, there's like a huge problem that's identified and all kinds of people did whatever they could to uh, help. And for us at the time, it was just like, you know, we can help by raising money through benefit shows. And so I think that was probably my favorite. Yeah, that's neat that you guys had an opportunity to do that and help out. I've learned that recently, too, about the Seattle area. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's great that you guys were able to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, it's still a huge problem, but, you know, we've actually, a lot of different churches and groups and organizations have made a lot of headway in the past few years. So it's been that's cool great. to see to see that. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, cool. Last question for you here is um, in with all of these, it seems like I've, you know, we've, we've kind of gotten to it a little bit already. But uh, with the process of recording um, The Good King, and you talked about doing that in the new building that you guys were moving into. But um, what, was the, what was the process like for that? And, and even just scheduling and stuff. I mean, I know you, you have the other guys in, in the band who are volunteering and, um, you know, it's not their, their job, um, per se. And, um, so how, how did that all kind of get worked out and go about and where did you do the recording and do you guys have any plans for a, uh, a new full length coming up anytime soon? Yeah. Well, I'd say the biggest thing <clears throat> about the process of how we do, how we did that recording and how we do all the Mars Hill recordings is, they're always very fast timelines for one thing and it's always very like run and gun or kind of down and dirty like we're always kind of like we're always kind of up against the wall like a, a huge timeline racing to get it done but it's really fun that way i've kind of seen that like for me creativity is a lot of times sparked when you're kind of up against a wall you know you're like up against a deadline so yeah we made that recording in six weeks, I mean, which is super fast, and me and the producer, Brian, we would be in there, you know, five days a week, all day, and we would schedule it out with the volunteers. Um, the volunteers had to do a lot of nighttime stuff, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's tricky for, like, a producer like Brian who works at a church, um, you know, he has to work a lot of nights because of that, so... Uh, but it was really, that's the thing I love too. I just love working with 
faithful volunteers, you know. It's really cool to see people, like, working during the day and then serving at night. And so me and Brian did the same thing through that process. You know, we would work from 9 to 5 on the record, and then the volunteers get off work, and we work from, you know, 6 to 10 or 11. And uh, it was really crazy, but um, it was also really fun. And for me, a huge thing with the process was one thing I learned <clears> – <throat> Family-wise, is during any busy season, I think daily Sabbath is really important. So for those six or eight weeks, if you include like pre-production and mixing, you know, there's about eight weeks that are like super busy. And one thing I did to make sure that I wasn't um, kind of shortchanging my family, my first ministry during that time was I would make sure to do daily sabbath with the family so like every day at five i would make sure to go home and just spend you know fun time playing with the kids having dinner like really engage and then a lot of times i'd have to go back to the studio but i just i learned a lot about sabbath in that season that you know like we need to we have to we need to rest in jesus every single day and not just um once a week but yeah, I'm trying to think of other things in terms of process that would be helpful. Oh, I think a big thing I learned is like you don't have to have a lot of money and you know all the awesome gear to make something really cool. You know, like we recorded it at our own studio in a warehouse in Ballard, but also in this room, uh, in this sanctuary. You know, and. We don't have a huge fancy studio, but but we but we have a we have a really like creative producer and a lot of good musicians volunteering and like a good mission driving what we do and the mission really drives the creativity. You know, like we have a reason to be creative. It's not just self expression. It's like we want to make the message clear and compelling. So I really learned that like God can do a lot. God can do huge things through few volunteers being faithful with their time and, you know, eight weeks. <laughs> I was really blown away by that. That's insane, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> Whole album in eight weeks. But we are, we actually are planning to record uh, a second LP soon. Um, We'll definitely, we'll start recording, I think, in about four months. So I'm really excited. I kind of love the, I just love the recording process and the recording season. So I'm starting to get like, even though it's four months away, I'm starting to get kind of like back in recording mode, you know, like yeah. writing all the time and, you know, up late at night, <clears throat> writing and keeping a notebook beside my bed and all that stuff. So it's going to be fun to. It's going to be fun to make another record. Cool. Uh, and, and as far as when you guys do the records, I mean, all the different bands, is that, um, is that something that gets somebody like commission you guys to do that? Like, hey, Cam, we want you guys to do another album. Or is that something you guys just decide on your own? How does that process work? It's definitely like commissioned by our leaders. Like they have, um, the leaders above us have, kind of they're in charge of strategically how does the church do mission you know and like and music 
in the records fit into that. And it's really cool that at this church, it's seen as making records integrates into the mission of the church. You know, it's not like this extra side thing. It's just one of the ways we proclaim the gospel. And so they have strategically kind of laid it out like, all right, here's who's going to record when, and here's why you're going to record at this time, and we're going to try to time the release with what the church is doing. And so, yeah, it's definitely commissioned. And, And we've definitely learned something cool through this, that there's a way to do recording and even traveling and all the music stuff in a way that doesn't take away from the local church. Like, it actually helps the local church, and it actually... Everything we're doing with recording, etc., is coming out of local church week after week, you know? So yeah. it totally integrates into that. That's it for this week's episode of the Church Collective Podcast. If you would do us a favor, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Also, head over to thechurchcollective.com and click Join the Collective. We want to connect with you, and we want to connect you with others.